<laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, that was awesome, wasn't it? I I'll try not to mess it up now. They, they set the table wonderfully, and but uh, man, I'm thrilled that you're here. How many of you are here tonight? You weren't here last night. Would you just raise your hand? All right, let's welcome these folks, y'all. Woo! Uh, so glad that you're here, and uh, hope the Lord uses this uh, in your life and all of our lives uh, tonight. For those of you that weren't here, hopefully you did get uh, a booklet when you came in because there are notes that are keyed to what we're doing. Uh, hopefully this can be some stuff that maybe the Lord can just use for a personal Bible study or, or something like that in the days and weeks to come. And uh, we've been talking about uh, Samson, and uh, the theme that we started last night was, don't waste your life. And, uh, you know, I, I, I was thinking today about some things just in my, my recent history that uh, are just really sobering for me. Um, there was, uh, my mind went this afternoon to a, a guy that I pastored for a number of years, got discipled in our church, was growing like an absolute weed, man. I mean, he was involved in serving and all of that. Uh, you know, God moved me to a different place, and uh, I get word about a year and a half ago. The dude goes out to this field where a guy is, is working, takes a gun out, and empties the gun in the guy, loads it again, and empties the gun again, loads it again, and empties the gun three times into the guy, takes out his cell phone, takes a picture of him, sends it to his wife with a message that says, now I'm going to the church to do this to myself. And he went to the church property and committed suicide. A dude that would be at the all-church retreat. There's another guy that came to my mind that wouldn't just have been at the retreat. He might well could have been the speaker. Served on the mission field. Nine months ago, on a Friday night, walks out into his driveway, puts a gun in his mouth, and committed suicide. I, hey, y'all. I'm talking about people just like us that know that book, discipled others, preached that book. And, and so when we talk about, and, and okay, I, I, I get it. Those are extreme cases. Man, uh, let, let me just say this in light of those two things. If, if, you, 
If you're dealing with some major stuff, talk to somebody, okay? You're in some good churches, so talk to somebody. But, but again, those are extreme. And what, what I want to just say to you, though, is on this side of those extremes, there's a bunch of people, y'all, that waste the life of the Spirit of God that lives in them. And so I'm trying to use our time together and, and bless your heart for setting this time aside for God to do something in, in your life. I respect it more than I can tell you. Uh, I think it's just incredible that, that you've done that. I, uh, sometimes I view preaching, you know, like a meal, you know, uh, eating. And, and, you know, we can come to settings like this and we can put together some appetizers that, ooh, they're, oh, that tastes so good. And, you know, we can get all on a buzz here at, you know, the retreat and go home and we've got no, no nutrition. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know that anybody's going to slap their neighbor tonight because of, man, did you hear that, man? But... I would love to see that happen, though. It, hey, if you get blessed tonight, slap the devil out of your neighbor and just say, man, wasn't that awesome? And, and what I'm noticing right now is it's not the young people that are doing it. It's, it's the old people, especially people right down in this section. I don't know what's up with y'all. Uh, but uh, I... I just, I do hope that through looking at the example of, of Samson, I want to remind you, uh, Judges 13 through 16, uh, if you can read through it again tomorrow, how many of you read through it today? Woo! I love it, man. That's awesome. If you didn't get a time to do that today, do, do it tomorrow. Because obviously I can't cover four chapters in three messages uh, they're long enough to be able to do it. I just don't have the potential uh, in, in me. But um, I, I know that I'm not going to get invited back because of the length of, of the messages. But hallelujah to you. We're here right now. Uh, okay, so uh, if, you, if you like to follow along with your Bible, you can once again open to Judges chapter 13. But uh, yeah, man, I... I'm excited about the things that we're going to be looking at uh, tonight. And uh, if you don't want to follow along in your Bible, because the verses are going to be there. I, I, I'm one that just, whether they're there or not, I, I'm one that likes to uh, see it in my Bible and uh, see if these things be so. Judges chapter 13. And what we're going to begin talking about tonight is... God's call upon Samson's life to be a Nazarite. Okay, now, uh, for all of the young people in the room, I, 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 can, I can think I can get there. You're going to look at that and go, oh, this is going to be so boring tonight. Okay, for all of the young people in the room, man, work with me. If you'll work with me at the beginning, I, I, I promise you, God will be able to take some of this stuff 
to your life. And I, I, young people, I say that to you so all the old people will do exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, they don't like for me to talk directly to them. And so that, this is, yeah. Okay, so we're going to be talking about God's call upon Samson to be a Nazarite. And I want us to look at the call in the passage that we looked at last night, Judges chapter 13, verses 1 through 5. And let's once again get it into our head. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord delivered them into the hand of the Philistines 40 years. And there was a certain man of Zorah, of the family of the Danites, whose name was Manoah, and his wife was barren, and bare not. And the angel of the Lord appeared unto the woman and said unto her, Behold now, thou art barren, and bearest not. You've not had a kid, and there's not one in your womb right now. But thou shalt conceive and bear a son. Now therefore beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine nor strong drink, and eat not any unclean thing, for lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb, and he shall begin to deliver Israel out of the hand of the Philistines. Okay, now that may not make a lot of sense to a lot of us that may not have studied this whole thing of a Nazarite, but the explanation of this we, we find in Numbers chapter 6, verses 1 through 6. And I want us to look at it together. Okay, now this is the part where we just pull your head in, because if you can get this stuff right at the very beginning, it's going to help you immensely once we turn a corner in the middle of this thing tonight. This is all the setup, okay? So it's very, very key that we get it. Numbers chapter 6, verse 1, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When either man or woman shall... What's the next word, y'all? Separate themselves... To vow a vow of a Nazarite. Okay, now let's just talk about uh, this, this word Nazarite for just a second. Okay, now th we are a group of churches. We are a fellowship that uh, is bound and determined never to correct the Bible that we're holding in our hands. And all God's people said, okay. Every once in a while, we'll come across a word like, like this, and it's worthy of a discussion because this word is not actually a translation of a Hebrew word. It's what we call a transliteration, okay? So uh, what they did is they just took the, the Hebrew word, nazar, and the King James translators just put a... English ending on it and called the word Nazarite. But the interesting thing about this word Nazarite is it is the word that means separate. In fact, in the Hebrew, this word separate right here is this word Nazar right there. Okay, is everybody cool with that? 
You feel like you understand that? Okay. So, so, so watch how this word keeps appearing as we work through this, this passage. Okay. When either a man or a woman shall Nazar themselves, separate themselves, to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and strong drink and shall drink no vinegar of wine or vinegar of strong drink, neither shall he drink any liquor of grapes nor eat moist grapes or dried. Okay, you, you can't have raisin bran. You can only have... Captain Crunch. <laughs> Verse 4, all the days of his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree, from the kernels even to the husk. All the days of the vow of his separation, there shall no razor come upon his head until the days be fulfilled in the which he separateth himself unto the Lord. He shall be holy and shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord, he shall come at no dead body. Is everybody bored to tears right now? Okay, cool. Work with me. Okay, so in this passage, what we actually see is that there's three major don'ts that come with this Nazarite vow. Number one, don't associate with alcohol in any way, shape, or form. Okay, let, let, let me just clear the air here. <laughs> I know that this is a subject of great debate, and you guys all have pastors, and I'd follow their lead when it comes to this. Okay, so everybody breathe, because you know we're not going to throw any legalistic trip on anybody. Now, the Lord may want to say something to you. Hello? But, I'm just saying. But in the Nazarite vow, don't associate with alcohol in any way, shape, or form. Did you see that in the passage? Okay, number two, don't associate with death in any way, shape, or form. And then thirdly, don't cut your hair. Okay, this was me in my lost state as a teenager, man. I had taken the Nazarite vow, at least on that one. <laughs> and it, evidently, I needed to do it when I could, man. Okay, so th those are the, th the three negatives, the three don'ts of the Nazarite vow. And, and I put this as a, a, a note in your notes. In, in other words, a Nazarite was to be separated from the world, y'all. That's what this thing was all about. Now, some of you may already see where we're going tonight. Okay, the typical Nazarite vow, notice a few things about it. It, it was made willingly. It was made willingly by a man or woman for a specified period of time of a person's own choosing, okay? We, we, we again, we saw this in the passage, and I, I want you to just look at it with me again, okay? We're just kind of getting all the information that we need to be able to apply this to our life tonight. Numbers chapter 6 and, and verse 
2 says, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When either man or woman shall separate, now what's the next word? Themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite, to separate themselves unto the Lord. Verse 4, all the days of, next word, his separation shall he eat nothing that is made of the vine tree. Verse 5, all the days of the vow of his separation. Verse 6, all the days that he separateth himself unto the Lord. Verse 8, all the days of his separation. He is holy unto the Lord. Okay, but I want you to note this about this thing that we're looking at in Judges 13 through 16. Samson's situation, in his situation, God called him to be a Nazarite from the moment of his conception, and it was to extend throughout his entire life. Okay, so are you, are you following this? Typically, a Nazarite vow was something you decided to do for however long you wanted to do it, but when it came to Samson, God said, I want him to be a Nazarite from his very conception and I want it to go his entire life. In Judges chapter 13 and verse 5, the angel of the Lord says to Manoah's wife, and Manoah's wife in about nine months or so is going to be Samson's mama. And the angel of the Lord says, For lo, thou shalt conceive and bear a son, and no razor shall come on his head, for the child shall be a Nazarite unto God from the womb. In other words, before he's even born. And I want you to also note in this thing when it comes to Samson that so that Samson's separation would never be compromised, God even instructed his mother to abstain from anything and everything related to alcohol and or uncleanness throughout her entire pregnancy. In verse 4 of Judges 13, the angel of the Lord tells her, Now therefore, beware, I pray thee, and drink not wine. He's talking to mama now. Drink not wine nor strong drink and eat not any unclean thing. Okay, now let, let's talk for just a second as we're getting ready to turn a corner. The real purpose of the Nazarite vow, I think it's important that we get this, okay? And, and the real purpose was this. Though there were definite don'ts, associated with the vow that were intended to keep a person separated from the world, being separated from the world was never an end in itself. Do you get that? It goes on, I think. That end was to be separated. Is this not on the screen? Okay, there we go. It was simply a means to an, uh, another end. And that end was to be separated unto the Lord. Okay, 
Do you hear that? Look at verse 2 again. Speak unto the children of Israel and say to them, When either man or woman shall separate themselves to vow a vow of a Nazarite to separate themselves. Here it is. Unto the Lord. Verse 5. Look in the middle of the verse. Which he separated himself unto the Lord. Verse 6. All the days that he separated himself unto the Lord. Verse 8. All the days of his separation he is holy unto the Lord. Okay, and, and, and get this in your mind now. There were definitely some don'ts that were involved in this Nazarite vow. But listen, the don'ts were, you, were to allow you to carry out one incredible do. I put as a note in your little book list. You cannot be separated unto the Lord without being separated from the world. And, and so what the whole Nazarite vow thing was to do was to separate them from the world, but that wasn't enough. That wasn't what God was wanting out of all of this. What he was looking for was people separated Unto him. But, but the reality is, and listen real carefully, you can be separated from the world and not be separated unto the Lord. Anybody ever been a part of a church like that? This is what you do to be holy. This is what you don't do to be holy. Okay. <laughs> and, and so now we're going to follow man's rules to make us spiritual, and we ain't spiritual. We are, what am I about to say? Carnal. It is the flesh. Going to try to do the spirit's job. How nasty does that smell right now? Because in my flesh, what? Man, you guys must come from Bible-believing churches, man. I go to a lot of places and throw out little things like that, and they're going. <laughs> but, but I do want you to hear this. You can't be separated unto... Ooh. Back up. <laughs> you can't be separated unto the Lord without being separated from the world. And here's what I want you to see. Number one, the purpose of being a Nazarite was never really about not drinking alcohol. But being controlled by God himself. Do you have ears to hear that? Yep. Listen, the negative prohibition concerning alcohol was to provide 
the positive opportunity for a Nazarite to be controlled and empowered by God. Number two, the purpose of being a Nazarite was never really about not associating with death, but totally being connected to life. Again, the negative wasn't an end in itself, but it was the means to another very positive end, life. Number three, the purpose of being a Nazarite was never really about not cutting your hair, but possessing outward manifestations or evidences of strength and power. Listen, there was was something visible about a Nazarite that God wanted people to to see that would cause that Nazarite to stand out. They were to possess an outward peculiarity that set them apart from everybody else in the world. Listen, that's what God called Samson to for his entire life. Do you understand that this Nazarite vow that God intended for for Samson, it wasn't to to limit him, but it was to position him to fulfill God's special purpose for his life. Do you already see where we're going tonight? Okay. Okay. That's what God wanted for this God. This incredible man. And sadly, let's look at the compromises of Samson concerning his calling and his separation. Okay, now you got dialed in your head what the Nazarite vow was all about? Okay, watch this now. Number one, he compromised his separation from alcohol. And this verse isn't going to be there, but, but just listen. In Judges 14 and verse 2, Samson says to his father and his mother, Hey, I've seen a, a woman of the Philistines. Get her for me, for she pleaseth me well. If we would have had more sessions, y'all, I would have loved to have peeled off about two of them to talk about authority. (sighs) As you're reading over the next couple of days in Judges 13 through 16, listen, one of the key things that we're not going to be able to get to in this retreat is that the man didn't understand how God works through the principle of authority. Young people, I know you get sick of hearing this, but... You've got to get that. Old people. <laughs> Most of the time, the reason our kids don't get it is because God's trying to use them as a mirror to you. There was a centurion 
that came to Jesus one day with a real sick kid. A centurion was a soldier that had a hundred, a century of soldiers under him. And, and so he says, hey man, my son is sick. And so would you heal him? Jesus said, sure. Where, where is it? Let's go. And he said, oh, hey, whoa. You don't need to go, man. I get this whole thing. You know, I, I'm a centurion, and so I've got people under me. And so I, I say go, and they go. I say come, and they come. Yeah, so hey, why don't you just say the word? And Jesus is like, wow. I haven't met many like you. <laughs> and the man in that whole context looks at Jesus, and he says, I think it's six words. I'm getting ready to count them. I... Okay. <laughs> Thanks. I don't know my own illustrations. <laughs> he looks Jesus in the eye, and he says six words. I am a man under authority. At any given time... Every single one of us need to be able to look Jesus in the eye and be able to say six words to him, y'all. I am a man under authority. I am a womb man under authority. Okay, there, there's a little sermonette for Christianettes who smoke cigarettes right there. <laughs> I didn't have time to develop that the way that I want to, didn't even plan to say it tonight, but don't miss that, that principle of authority. So he, he's telling mom and dad, hey, this babe over there, I want her, so go get her for me. Okay, and now in verse 10 of that chapter, so his father went down unto the woman, and Samson made there, watch this now, a feast for so the young men, uh, so used the young men to do. Okay, this, this, this word feast is a, kind of an interesting word, but what, what he's basically talking about is they threw a bachelor party for him. That, that word feast is translated drink 208 times in our King James Bible. Okay? Don't get yourself connected with alcohol in any way, shape, or form. And here he is, drinking it up with all the fellows because I'm getting my babe. Number two, he compromised his separation from death. In Judges chapter 14, let's pick up in verse 5. Then went Samson down and his father and his mother to Timnath and came to the vineyards of Timnath. And behold, a young lion roared against him. And the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and he rent him as he would have rent a kid. In other words, here's this ferocious lion, and he just comes <laughs> and just... Tears him apart. And he had nothing in his hand, but he told not his father and his mother what he had done. And he went down and talked with the woman 
And she pleased Samson well, and after a time he returned to take her, and he turned aside, watch this now, to see the carcass of the lion, and behold, there was a swarm of bees and honey in the carcass of the lion. And verse 9 is screaming a message, y'all. And he took thereof. What is the thereof? The carcass in his hands and went on eating and came to his father and mother and he gave them and they did eat, but he told them not that he had taken the honey out of the, what? The carcass of the lion. And listen, y'all, here is this one that God had called to totally keep himself connected to the life the life of God. And you know what he's doing right here? He's seeking to get something sweet and satisfying out of something dead. So now he's compromised two of the three parts of what it was to be a Nazarite. Number three, he compromised his separation concerning his hair. Okay, I'm not trying to be an idiot. I am an idiot. I'm just not trying to be one right now. But he gets the heebie-jeebies for another Philistine woman. Okay, this is why the book of Proverbs is talking about the strange woman. Her name is what? Delilah. And she's been working him to find out the strength of his, his hair. And so she keeps working him. Oh, tell me. And so he tells her some craziness. And, and this has gone on for, for three times. Okay. And, and again, I'm not trying to be some weird, is out chauvinist. I'm just going to read the verse for you. <laughs> and she said unto him, you don't love me. <laughs> How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. <laughs> and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him. So that his soul was vexed unto death. Uh, okay. I know this is a mixed crowd. I know we got young people in the room. He gets the heebie-jeebies so bad he can't stand it. Is that cool to do here, bro? What am I doing asking you? Alan... <laughs> hey guys take a picture of me tonight because this will be the last time <laughs> okay but, but he, he is so whacked out of his mind right now 
verse 17, that he told her all his heart. It's not because she was nagging, y'all. And said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon mine head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from... It's so sad to me, man. I've been a Nazarite since my, from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah, she knew, okay, that's it. And when Delilah saw that he told her all his heart, she, she sent and, and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came upon her and brought money in their hand, and she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head, and she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And I want to make sure that you get this. Samson's strength and power wasn't in his muscles. In the front of your booklet, there's a, you know, a, a drawing of Samson. I do not think that Samson looked like that. Because everyone would go, look at the man. He's just a normal Joe with unbelievable strength and power. But the strength wasn't in his muscles. And here's what most people miss. The strength wasn't in his hair. You know where the strength was, y'all? The Holy Spirit of God in him. I don't have time to take you to the references because we've got to kind of hustle. But if, if you're interested, just jot down chapter 13, verse 25, chapter 14, verse 6, chapter 14, verse 19, chapter 15, verse 14. All of these passages, every time there is a great feat of strength. And it's going to tell you very specifically, the Holy Spirit of God was the one that was empowering him. And listen, his hair was just the outward and visible manifestation of his surrender to and obedience to the Spirit. Okay, so... Why did I go through all of that? Was it, was it just to give us a, a history lesson? You know, am I thinking we're in, you know, Living Faith Bible Institute right now, and so we're just, you know, making sure that everybody understands the history of what a Nazarite was, all that. No, listen, y'all. This isn't just to fill our minds tonight with a bunch of information. What we're going for at All Church Retreat is transformation. But we needed that information to help us to understand what God wants us to apply so that we can get to the transformation. And here's the key principle, the next key principle that we need to learn. 
the Nazarite vow of number six is an Old Testament picture of the New Testament believer's call to salvation and sanctification. Samson's life, as it's revealed in Judges 13 through 16, is a vivid illustration and reminder of how we can squander God's incredible calling on our lives. I want to make sure you get that principle. But here is the lesson that I want to make sure that we are all able to apply. It's this, I must make certain that like Samson, I don't miss the point or compromise the point of God calling me to salvation and sanctification. In 1 Corinthians, did you guys, you get that? Okay. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 6, you remember how God says, listen, all of this stuff in the Old Testament was written according to a very certain prescription. God took the history of the Old Testament with the nation of Israel and he had it recorded in such a fashion so that it becomes a living illustration of the individual believer in the New Testament. And God says, now all these things were our examples. Five verses later in verse 11, he says, now all these things happened unto them for examples, and they are written for our admonition. Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we, through patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. And the fact of the matter is, y'all, if we're not careful, we can miss the point of why God saved us and why God has called us to sanctification. Let's talk, first of all, about God's call to salvation. God's intention in saving me through the work of his son wasn't simply to bring me to a place, but to a person. It is amazing to me, y'all, how living in the 21st century, that we will stand before people and give evangelistic messages and we will say things like, the Bible says in John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man is going to get to heaven but by me. Is that what that verse says? No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And and I just want to say, hey, I'm all about going to heaven. (laughs) I I am. But (laughs) it's just where God lives, man. I, I wasn't separated from a place in my lost condition. I was separated from the person of God. And Jesus Christ is the only way to be connected to the Father. Sometimes we can miss the point of our salvation. Next, God's intention in saving me through the work of his Son wasn't simply so I could know I'm going to heaven when I die. And I'm really glad that I'm going. Amen? 
Hallelujah to you. But this was all about, and God saved me so I could know the Father and the Son now and for all of eternity. In John chapter 17, and I'm sorry if you didn't get those, but we got to move on. In John chapter 17, this is the night before Jesus died. This is what we call his high priestly prayer. He's pouring his heart out to God, and he says, And this is life eternal. And don't you know that at that moment, God the Father in heaven was going, Awesome, because I've been wondering what it is. Was he saying that to inform God about what life eternal is all about? No, he's saying that so it could get recorded so you and I would know what it was about. And this is life eternal, that they might go to heaven when they die. Did I say I'm really glad I'm going there? I'm not trying to diss that, okay? You understand? that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. And, and a lot of people in the 21st century, y'all, know they're going to heaven. But they don't know the Father. And they don't know the Son in the intimacy of a meaningful relationship with him, and for all practical purposes, they've missed the point of their salvation. They've missed the purpose of this, this thing. So we tend to miss the point of, of sal- salvation. And, and then notice next God's call to sanctification. Okay, and, and I, I hope you could see this as we were going through this, but Y'all, that Nazarite vow is intended to teach us some stuff about what God did to sanctify us. You see, we, the, the, the Nazarite, you remember what we looked at? He was not to, I'm not, I'm not teaching about alcohol. Remember, your pastor's going to teach you about that. But that Nazarite was not to touch alcohol because, do you remember the point? Because God wanted him to be controlled by himself. Okay, we come to Ephesians chapter 5 and verses 17 and 18. Do you understand? That's exactly what these two verses are teaching us. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And what is the will of the Lord? Okay. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. But the first part of the verse, be not drunk with wine, is not an end in itself. 
The end is that God wants everybody that has the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them for that spirit to fill us. I am not to, this is in your notes, I'm not to be controlled by alcohol or any other substance or thing, but to only be controlled by the Spirit of God who is in me. And all God's people said, all right. Remember the Nazarite next was not to allow themselves to be connected to death in any way, shape, or form because God wanted them to totally be connected with life, with himself. And you know that's exactly what the New Testament tells us about our relationship with God. And that's why he clears off this space in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 14 through 18. And he says, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? What concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. Go on. Wherefore, come out. Come out from among them and be ye, say it. Be a Nazarite, man. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I'll receive you. When did you receive Christ? And that's what we always talk about. What this verse is talking about is, is him receiving us. time for it and I'll be a father unto you and you'll be my sons and daughters hey y'all it's really cool for him to be our God and us to be his people it's a whole lot cooler for him to be our father and every man in this room be his son and every woman in this room to be his daughter this is in your notes I'm not to touch that which is unclean which is anything that has to do with the system of death (laughs) that's what he saved us out of So that we could be totally connected in a relationship with the life of my God and Father. Do you know what this passage that we just looked at, you know what it's really all about, y'all? 
It's God saying, listen, now that I've saved you, don't go back to the system of death and try to find something sweet and satisfying for your life. Because it's not there. It is only found in our God, the one who is life. That Nazarite was to possess outward manifestations of inward strength and power. And that outward manifestation in the Nazarite vow was, was the hair. But would you look at what 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 9 says, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a, say it, y'all, peculiar people. Not because we look like freaks. Not because of our hair. I, I, I just, if the Lord tarries, I'm sure there's going to be a generation of people that thinks it's really cool to do the, Na- I'm doing the Nazarite bow, man. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, it's coming. But that wasn't the point. That you should. Listen, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness. Not as an end in itself. But into his marvelous light. We, my brothers and sisters, are are to have outward manifestations of the Spirit of God who is powerful in us. You know what that outward manifestation looks like? Galatians 5, verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and long-suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and temperance. Listen, that, my friend, is as peculiar as hair down to your knees. I I, I ask you, where are the Christians that manifest outwardly the power and strength of the Spirit of God that we profess lives inside of us. And and all of this leads to another key principle to learn. The the Christian life is not so much about what I don't do. Catch up with me on that slide there. Oh, I I missed this, okay. Did I hit that? Okay, that's in your notes. I'm to possess outward manifestations and evidences of the spirit of God's strength and power in my life that sets me apart as peculiar to the people of this world. You see, we used to, many of us, be in systems of religion that we're talking about the peculiarity because of the length of our hair, the length of our dress, not wearing this, not wearing that, and all that stuff. Hey, missed the point point is 
the outward manifestation of the Spirit is the fruit of the Spirit. Okay, now that leads us to this next principle that we need to learn, that the Christian life is not really so much about what I don't do, but what I actually do. And again, now, there were some, some don'ts and there were some negatives that were involved in the Nazarite vow, but the don'ts and the negatives weren't the real issue, right? They were set in place so that the real issue could come about. And there's the vital lesson to apply. I must make certain that I operate in the Christian life with the understanding that I am to be separated from the world so that I can be separated unto the Lord. In, in Matthew chapter 12, crazy little story here that I'm going to devotionally apply. Matthew 12, verses 43 to 45 Jesus says, when the unclean spirit is gone out of a man, that unclean spirit walketh through dry places seeking rest and finding none. Then he saith, I will return into my house from whence I came out. And when he is come, he findeth it empty, swept, and garnished. Okay, now listen, y'all. If we're not careful, we'll come to the all-church retreat this year, and we'll be planning to come next year, and we'll be talking to our friends about, oh, man, this is just a great time to just empty out all the trash of your life and sweep out all the dirt in your life and get your life all garnished. We, Man, we spray ourselves with Lysol spiritually there, and we get air fresheners hanging all over the us and all of this. And yeah, we got to get all that stuff out. Do you, you know this, this passage? Verse 45. Then go with he. Who's he? The unclean spirit. And taketh with himself seven other spirits more wicked than himself, and they enter in and dwell there, and the last state of that man is worse than the first. Even so shall it be also unto this wicked generation. You see, listen, y'all. You can get to the place to where you concentrate and focus so much on getting the wrong stuff out that we never focus on getting the right stuff in. And so stuff seven times worse comes to take its place or the same stuff comes back, but this time it's seven times stronger. We work like crazy to keep all the bad stuff out, but we never put the right stuff in, and because we didn't put the right stuff in, we can't keep the wrong stuff out. All right, my, my time is shot. I'm going to try to zip through this, but y'all, oh, please, 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 don't miss this section. 
five key ways to become the sanctified man or woman God has called me to be. Okay, here, here's the first one. Definitely hate evil. <laughs> but <laughs> concentrate on loving righteousness. Uh, okay. You guys are big boys and girls. And there's references right under that point, right? Okay. I'm, I'm begging you. Would you go and look up these references because what those references are going to tell you, that the way that you end up hating evil is when you love righteousness. And listen, y'all. We can spend the rest of our life trying to hate evil. But until you love righteousness, it ain't going to happen. All right. Try to catch up with me there, brethren and sistren. Okay, next. Definitely put off. Do you know that the scripture all through the New Testament, gets into specific detail about what we are to put off. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of our mouth, lying. Oh, yeah, man. And all those passages that are listed under that point are going to tell you there's plenty to put off. But you'll never keep it off until you put on what God tells you to put on. He tells you to put on the new man. Anybody know who the new man is? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Galatians says. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's real interesting the way that he words it when he tells you what to put on. It's everything that Christ had on him when he made us a new man. Vows of mercies, kindness, Humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearance, forgiveness, and above all these things, charity. And listen, until you put those things on, you're going to spend the rest of your life trying to put off anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication, and lying. Number three, Definitely don't walk in the flesh. But concentrate on walking in the spirit. You know, one of the most simple verses, I'll, I'll, I'll throw this verse, if you would, Galatians 5, 16. This I say, walk in the spirit. And if you do that, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And yet what most Christians end up doing is suppressing the flesh. <laughs> and you can do that the rest of your life. And fail miserably. It's like a pressure cooker. 
and the flesh is all over the place, man. <laughs> but if you walk in the Spirit, ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Number four, definitely don't love yourself. I, you know what? I, I seldom find myself preaching a message where I don't talk about, and don't, don't throw the reference, where I don't talk about 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, the fact that in this day and age that we're living in, yeah, don't throw it. <laughs> Our problem is, first and foremost, we love ourselves. Okay, go, go back one slide if you would. Okay, definitely don't do that. But we're all going to spend the rest of our life trying to act humble because we love ourselves. But if we really love God, y'all, love of self. You work on that with me. I heard you over there. And number five. Definitely, y'all, reckon yourself to be dead in sin. And the reason I say definitely do that is because the scripture says so. But concentrate, go, go back one, but concentrate on reckoning yourself to be alive unto God. See, that's what that Nazarite vow was all about, man. There was the, the don't. But that was just a means to an end. It's so we could do this. And Samson missed the point. Hey, y'all. Most Christians in the 21st century missed the point. We have been called out, man. From our very birth. When we were born again, man, he called us to sanctification. And so without any legalism, man, let's put on what God tells us to put on. Let's walk in the spirit and be the men and women of God that he's called us to be. Let's bow our heads.